TH Glee, the show where we get high and watch Glee. I'm Courtney, and I've never seen all of Glee. And I'm Elise, and Glee was my entire personality back in the day. I know for the listeners, we are both consuming weed legally and are allowed to have it, so if it is not legal in your area or you are not of legal age to consume it, please don't. And yes, we will be trashing Will Schuster in every episode. Please enjoy this, and hi us, take it away. (laughs) Well, it's been four months. Oh my god, we're back again. (laughs) (laughs) Great introduction, Courtney. I really appreciate that. I I, I do my best. Welcome to TH Glee, the show where we used to record too much at once, and now we don't record at all. (laughs) (laughs) Now we are two very busy adults. (laughs) Now that the pandemic is like, you know, wrapped up, I guess. <laughs> we both have full-time jobs. Yeah. Although, uh, you know, I had COVID last week or like I I had, I tested positive two weeks ago. Uh, I kind of can't believe that was the first time one of us had COVID and we didn't record. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> maybe we broke the curse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe neither of us will get COVID from here on out because yeah. we broke Generational the curse. curse. Um, <laughs> the real coronavirus was the TH Glee we did all along. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, this is season five of Glee. It is episode 19. It is called Old Dog New Tricks. It is written by Chris Colfer. And uh... <sighs> this whole episode, Chris wrote. <laughs> Just as an excuse to A, shit on Leah Michelle, and B, <laughs> be Peter Pan in a harness and fly around for like an hour. <laughs> like, and sing Madonna and hang out with famous old people. Yeah. Like he got he got to live his best life. And you and know make what? Leah Michelle that. hold dogs. Ryan Murphy let him do that. And you know what? Good for him. <laughs> yeah. So like <sighs> This also, was like a fun little no. thing. They were like, oh, Chris Colfer's writing an episode because he's like a famous author now. So we thought we'd let him write this since he like wrote a movie and wrote a book. This is so strange. This is just a very strange episode. So it's the main crux of the episode is that Rachel is trying to make sure her reputation doesn't go to shit because she fucked up funny girl already. And the sayings of Carmen Thibodeau are ringing true now, and she's freaking out. And so she, they're at a restaurant. It's not the diner, I don't think. <laughs> it's not. It's like an Italian restaurant. I was like, yeah, it's like a new the... restaurant. <laughs> they're at like Sardi's or something, yeah. like <laughs> eating nothing. There's nothing in front of them. See, they're at an empty table. <laughs> They're at an empty table. It's Rachel, Sam, Mercedes, Santana, Artie, and Kurt and Blaine. Very crowded table. 
I don't even think Artie is there. Maybe it's just the six of them. It might have been like a date. No, I feel like Mercedes and Artie may not have been there, but I feel like everybody else was. Yeah, it was a it was an odd grouping. It doesn't of them. matter who was there. It was a lot of them though. So <laughs> there's more of them than were participating in the conversation. Yeah, it's because they're talking. Because Rachel's reading like Broadway Buzzfeed or whatever the fuck it's called. Broadway Buzzard. <laughs> yeah, it's stupid. Uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> My virus protection. Good evening. Um, <laughs> so she's reading like Broadway Buzzard, and it, it's like Barry's gonna re- is like proving to be hard to work with this early in her career. And Santana's like, they they cut to Santana, who's blonde now. Yeah, just suddenly. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, she also looks too skinny. She is so skinny. She looks like you could like see her ribs in this yeah. episode. Like, and she was fully clothed. It's also still baffling to me the way that Rachel and Santana walk around New York in heels and like tiny dresses, as though it's not just they're they're walking everywhere. Like, what the fuck? Are, what are you doing? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> um. Anyways. So they're at a table, not eating, talking about Rachel's quickly uh, flailing career. And then Rachel looks like past over Kurt and sees this woman who has a dog in her bag. And the lady is like trying to like hide the dog, I guess. So I was immediately very confused because in this scene... Rachel, I think, is supposed to be the good guy. But the way that it is shot, delivered, acted, tonally, is, like, very disturbing and off-putting. It's like, why are you... But, like, I I think her point was it's wrong to shove a dog in a bag and take it with you to a restaurant. I think that was the point. Yeah, because she goes up to this random lady, doesn't know her, doesn't know why she has a dog in her bag, and just, like, goes up to her and is like, excuse me, I know you have a dog in your bag, and, like, you shouldn't have a dog in your bag, and it's really bad for you to, like, be treating a dog like an accessory, and you shouldn't be doing that. And the lady is like, (sighs) and the lady is like, the fuck? What is wrong? Like, you're a bitch. Like, fuck off. (laughs) I think what they were going for with this scene was, like, you know how for a time there everybody would like talk about and like make jokes about like emotional support animals and i put that in quotes as like everybody made that out to be like i don't think it was actually that big of a thing i think people just blew it out of proportion and like everybody was like always talking about these like like making jokes about oh this is my emotional support whatever and it's like okay but there are people that do actually have emotional support animals and the vast, vast, vast majority of those people, it's like a legitimate thing. (laughs) So I think this was Glee weighing in on like that whole trend. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It also feels like 10 years too late to make commentary on like Paris Hilton's dogs, you know? Yeah, because it's, it's not it's not treated like that. It's not treated like... Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, too. And that's definitely not it. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just very strange. The moral of this strange, unneeded interaction is that Rachel has a light bulb moment and is like, oh my god, I should, like, help dogs and that'll make people like me again. Like, that's literally her her thought. I think Santana <laughs> says that she needs to pick a cause to, like, be an advocate for. And Rachel's like, but I don't have a cause. My cause is me. My cause is my career. Which, like, is true and also kind of fair. Um, yeah. Like, you don't need to be an activist for everything in every moment of your life. But whatever. I mean, yeah. uh, part, of me, part of me understands the Rachel of it all. Like, she's 19. 19 year old girls are very selfish. Like, and, like, they they talk about it in this. They don't do a good enough job of illustrating what, like, the actual stakes are for her. Because they are yeah. very serious. But I feel like they were almost downplayed in this. Like, it was like, oh, no, people won't like me, so I won't get cast in things. And I'm like, that's not even the story. The story is you, like, went behind the back of, like, your producer and left them without anybody to go on with to like go do this terrible pilot that they didn't even want you for. Like it was, yeah, it was the selfishness of it all, but not like she like Rachel didn't get a reputation for like being mean to her castmates, unlike somebody we know. She just like really pissed off her manager and the producer to a level that they were like, "We will blackball you if you don't get yeah. more professional." Like, you, you can't be thinking only of yourself without, like, any communication. Like, that's unacceptable. And that's, it's like, much crazy. more serious than, like, oh, the blogs think she's a shrew. <laughs> like, you know, it's not really real stakes. <laughs> no. So that happens. Um, and so Rachel has her light bulb idea. And then she... Um, hello. Why are you running? Um... <laughs> If you hear reporting Gallup. live from like the bull fighting arena of Spain. <laughs> if you hear galloping, it's toothless. <laughs> it's his silly hours. <laughs> silly bitch hours. Yeah, he's in silly bitch hours. So he's gone goblin mode. <laughs> he's going ghost. Um shout out to my Danny Phantom fans. <laughs> So they so the next day, Rachel goes okay, so this this scene <laughs> It starts with just Rachel and like the the kennel guy walking around this kennel of like rescue dogs and him explaining to Rachel. I can't stress enough how weirdly this episode was shot. Like, I need, I seriously, I said it, like, in the first scene of them at the restaurant, I was like, I need to know who directed this episode. But, like, now I'm like, oh my god, why didn't I look up who directed this? Because it is shot so fucking weird, and nowhere is that more evident than in this scene. So, it's Rachel and the kennel guy walking around, and he's talking about, like, oh, like, we try to get as many adopted as we can, but, you know, those that don't get adopted, we have to, like, um and rachel's like and that's why i want to start a charity and then mercedes is there with her just kind of out of nowhere mercedes kind of just like her. walking around in a separate part of the kennel yeah and then and then they turn a corner and they're still talking and then sam is just behind them and then Artie is there too <laughs> <laughs> they all just like appear so randomly and then 
they're they're talking and Rachel's like, yeah, I want to help. And then all of the dogs start barking like a lot. And the kennel guy is like, yeah, usually we like play music to calm them down, but the PA is broken. And Sam, <laughs> Sam literally goes, John Mayer said to, it's always good to have your guitar like 80% of the time. So he just has this fucking guitar with him. Also, he only plays it for like the first verse and then it immediately yeah. is off. And I'm like, there's so much song left. You're not even going to pretend like you're playing the music anymore. You guys are just singing acapella in this fucking dog kennel. And they sing, I'll stop the world and melt with you, which is the most random song. They could possibly sing to these fucking dogs. <laughs> Why wouldn't so they sing I, Who Let the Dogs Out? <laughs> I had remembered that the song Werewolves of London was in this episode, and I thought that this is where that song was, because that would make more sense, right? I guess, yeah. Although, maybe like it some... does have howling in it, which probably wouldn't help the dogs stop barking, but, like, it makes more sense than I'll, I Melt With You by Modern English, you know? <laughs> yeah, why didn't they do like, why should I worry? Like, do Oliver and Company. <laughs> <laughs> Again, before Fox and Disney were owned by the same company. <laughs> oh, true. Oh, God. Can you imagine what Glee would have done if they could have got, like, the rights to all the Disney canon? <laughs> yeah, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, they only do one Disney song as far as I can think of. And we haven't gotten there yet, but we're really close. Uh-oh. Have I told you? No. Okay, then I won't. No. I don't like it. I'll say this. Uh, Alana and I were texting about Glee earlier this week, and Alana opened the conversation by asking me if they had ever done fight song on Glee and which one came first. And I was like, they didn't do fight song on Glee, but... Uh, they could have. It was within the... They overlapped. And I was like, honestly, it's a miracle that they didn't do Fight Song instead of the one Disney song that they do. Mm, interesting. So I'll say that. Also, we, we have to talk about Katy Perry's, like, fashion line that she's doing. <laughs> do we? But we'll save... I don't know, but we'll save that for later. Um, <laughs> Her shoes have all already always been weird, so I'm like, yeah, this check should tracks. This checks out. Uh, so they sing to the dogs, and also Sam is like, I want a dog. Um, that's important for later. Meanwhile, Kurt isn't there, but he's at the diner working. Um, and this old lady comes in with some Peter Pan posters and is like, Hey, will you put this up in your window? The retirement home, the, the, what is it? The Broadway performers retirement home or whatever. It's, it's like, retired... yeah, it's like the home for retired performers. I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I think there is a retirement home specifically for Broadway performers. I mean, I don't like, it think... makes sense, but like, it also it feels strange, but like only in New York, you know, like you couldn't have that like in Portland. <laughs> no, no. But they're doing a a production of Peter Pan, um, and she's asked, and she's playing Wendy. This old lady is playing Wendy, mm-hmm. um, and she asks Kurt to put up the poster in the window to advertise it. And Kurt's like, "Oh my god, yes, I'll do that for you." Also, the old lady 
is played by Academy Award nominee June Squibb. <laughs> Which is also a great name. Mm-hmm. So Kurt's like, yeah, I'll do it for you. And then she's like, why the long face, Pillsbury? <laughs> Which is a weird name to give somebody when there's already a character named Pillsbury in the show. That's what I said. I was yeah. like... Because, see, like, Sue's nicknames for him are very much in the same vein and about the same essence of his appearance. But you'll notice the nicknames she gives him aren't also names of other characters on the same exact television program. <laughs> yeah. It, it would have been funny if she called him porcelain. <laughs> it would have been extremely... That, see, that's a joke. <laughs> Why the long face porcelain? And he would have been like, what'd you call me? <laughs> He'd be like, who are you? Speaking of I'm a Pillsbury, I replied to Terry Schuster updates today with something. Oh, I saw and, that. <laughs> and it's gotten a shocking number of likes. <laughs> really? Yeah. And I mean, not like, not like a crazy amount or anything, but like, I don't get more than like three likes on stuff very often. And this has gotten like 30 likes. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Thank you. But anyway, Terry Schuster Updates posted, like, a video of, like, Jayma Mays <laughs> in, like, some other movie. I have no idea what. It looks getting, like, like exploded and, like, yeeted across the world. And it's set to Swine by Lady Gaga. And she was like, this is how season one of Glee should have ended. And I replied, coincidentally, this is also how season one of Ugly Betty should have ended. <laughs> because I've been re-watching Ugly Betty lately. And she's on that show and she's terrible. <laughs> so <laughs> I was not expecting to get the level of kinship from fellow fans of Ugly Betty in the replies to Terry Schuster updates. <laughs> yeah, that is a very specific audience. It's a very slim Venn diagram. <laughs> this clip looks like it's from like scary movie or something. I think it is. I think it is. I actually I went on her IMDb earlier because I was like, what the fuck is this clip from? Because <laughs> I can't stop thinking about it. And I think it is from like one of those parody type movies. Damn. But it is very funny. And Terry Schuster updates, again, if you're listening, please be on the show. We would love to have you. Yeah, please. We're Reveal such fans. Um, so Kurt starts talking to this old lady about all of his problems because uh, he feels left out because Rachel is being Rachel and nobody pays attention to him anymore. And so he starts hanging out with the old lady. Great. Uh, back at Mercedes's brownstone, Sam has gotten a dog named McConaughey, which is honestly a great name for that little mutt. Like, he is, he's a little like, scamp. He's a he's little so scamp of a dog. Um, I remember now really loving this dog when this aired. And... Uh, I was like, yeah, the, the, he, this dog, he holds up. He's still very yeah. cute and very funny. <laughs> I'll praise that dog. So he adopted a dog, even though Mercedes said, don't do it. And it has literally chewed up everything in this house already. And he and Artie are just like playing video games. And Mercedes comes in and is irate. And then the dog is like eating her hair and her shoes. And... So, Artie and Sam... I'm just going to blow through this little storyline real Go fast. Go for it. Do it. So, Artie and... Artie... Or Sam is like... Yeah, Artie, Artie's going to help me. Artie's going to... Artie's going to take out the trash for me. Artie's going to do this. And Artie's like, am I invisible? Like, I'm right here. Um, he keeps trying to leave, but 
he can't get down the stairs. <laughs> so Sam is with the dog and Artie after Mercedes like leaves again. And he's like, we gotta, we gotta train this dog. We gotta prove that I can take care of this dog or whatever. And so they go to like a basketball court that's set up with a bunch of like dog show training, like little sticks and tunnels and shit. And then they sing Werewolves of London. How much money does Sam spend in this episode? Can I just ask? Like, what is Sam... What is his, like, budget in this? Because he buys so much shit. (laughs) He buys a dog. He buys, like, a full training course for the dog. That was expensive. Adoption fees are, like, 50 bucks. Um, It depends on how old the dog is. He looks, like, five or six. I guess that's true. But if he was, like, a puppy, he'd cost, like, 200 bucks. Yeah. If not Also, more. like, is he getting gigs regularly? Like... They sure do act like Sam is booking modeling jobs left and right in this episode. Like, yeah. Like, Mercedes brings up so many times that, like, Sam is already, like, having long days at, like, modeling shoots. And, like, he's only going to be having more long days on modeling shoots. And I'm like, what is he modeling? Yeah, how much shit is there to model? (laughs) Like, what? Because I remember at, like, the end of the next episode, Sam, like, finally gets, like, the big account. And, like, he's not there yet. (laughs) Like, he's not even, like, an underwear model yet, as far as I can tell. I mean, like, I don't know. They haven't, like, said anything. Yeah, we haven't seen Tyra since her first time. Yeah, we haven't seen any modeling since, like the first episode when they were all in New York which was like four episodes ago because everyone else has had the A plot yeah hmm. who would you so would you say Kurt has the A plot in this episode I don't think so still is it like it's it's they so intersect. hard to tell which of the three plots like they are they're all honestly pretty well portioned yeah but like which is like the true A plot maybe Maybe Rachel, because they open and close with it? But they they do all intersect at the end. So, yeah. It was, it was, in that regard, it was a well-balanced episode, but, like, I don't know. Yeah. So, then Sam comes back home with McConaughey, and Mercedes is like, we got, we got to talk about the dog again. And he's like, but I trained him. It's been a day. But he trained him. One day. (laughs) And Sam goes on this, like, huge monologue about how, like, Mercedes needs to, like, treat him like an adult and how he's the one who took care of his family and, like, made sure his siblings were okay and all that. Like, it's all fair. And it is all fair. And Mercedes is like, I know and I'm sorry that I have, like, been condescending to you. But also, the reality of our situation is that I'm going on tour and you're a famous model (laughs) and so we don't have time for a dog and also mercedes talks about like she's like tour like she's going on tour like next week and i'm like babe you haven't even finished the album yet like (laughs) finish the album first so she she might have finished the album it might be like in the producing mixing phase right now because she does start her tour in the next episode because when Kurt said, does anyone want to see a matinee tomorrow, Santana said, I'm going to be in the recording studio all day tomorrow. 
with Mercedes. So it's not done. I... <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't I make just... the timeline. No, totally. Can I just ask real quick? Did you like this episode? No. I really like the face that you made while you were thinking about it. I was like, it's not an offensive episode. Yeah. See, I, I kind of, I, it's not, it's like kind of hard to tell in this one. Because like, I don't think I liked it, but like, it was not bad. It wasn't it was, bad. It was It fine. was decent. I think the like actual meat of the plot was mostly well written and less deranged than usual yeah I, I will uh, but, say, but I would i I've... ever like would i ever like think to myself one day like "Ooh, i should watch just like a random episode of glee for fun would i ever select this one no i don't think so yeah because i was like none of the songs were like fun you know no all the songs were kind of snoozes like um, the even best when they were funny, were... it was still like, oh, yeah, I'm checked out. Like nothing that interesting or groundbreaking is happening here. The best episodes of Glee are the ones with the best songs. This is true. Shocker that in a musical television show, the music is important to the quality level. <laughs> like, who would have thought? <laughs> so, Rachel and Santana start their plotting, and they're. Their their first move is to have Rachel walking, looking like Aubrey Hepburn, basically. I'm like you mean a black Audrey dress. Hepburn? Audrey Hepburn. Shh. <laughs> Audrey Hepburn. Um, in like the black dress, high heels, but she's walking like eight dogs, and they're like big dogs. And she's it's like walking. Them, it's like it's like you know that photo of Daniel Radcliffe walking all those dogs for that movie. Yes, it's that. It's like that. <laughs> um, so she's she, six inch heels. <laughs> so she has all these dogs on all these leashes. Santana's like slowly sauntering and moseying behind her, pretending to not, like not be a part of this. Blaine, Sam, and Artie are chilling like at a hot dog stand or something. <laughs> And then Blaine turns around, dressed like a fucking ice cream boy, by the way. Like, he, Oh, yeah, fully. He looks insane. <laughs> this little, like, cardian. Uh, and he turns around and he goes, oh my god, is that Rachel Berry walking all those dogs? And then seven paparazzi come out of nowhere with their cameras just, oh, Rachel Berry? As if she's, like, some celebrity I think Santana in LA. called photographers. She's not a celebrity in L.A., <laughs> this is not TMZ. Yeah. Also, much- Artie was like, oh my god, I loved her in Funny Girl. I saw it five times. I'm like, shouldn't that line go to Blaine instead of Artie? Wouldn't people believe it more coming from the little ice cream boy than from, like, white rapper? <laughs> white boy nerd rapper? Yeah. Um, Which is ironic, I know, because Kevin McHale is gay and Darren Chris is straight, but... <laughs> Well, I mean, we won't speculate about Darren Chris on the podcast. <laughs> but 
I could see Darren Chris pulling a Jason Mraz in a few years and being like, yeah, I've always been bi, but I I didn't come to realize it until now because I've been so in love with my wife. <laughs> like, I could I mean, totally see that happening. <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, Which is basically what Jason Mraz did. And I was like, oh, my God, all the puzzle pieces in my life, they're coming together. <laughs> uh, so much so that for... I literally wrote an essay on it. <laughs> Pour one out for Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner. <laughs> I don't think one of them is gay. No, but like, you never know. Um, <laughs> so they do all this like, and then Santana's behind her going, oh my God, I love, I love how, I love how charitable this is. Like wh- whose dogs are these? And Rachel's like, these dogs are all up for adoption. Did you know that dogs, they're the shelters in New York are over, over capacity all the time. I don't remember what she says, she but it's says, something like that. I, I specifically thought this was a weird thing to tout out as, like, your proof of why this is an issue. Because she was like, did you know that New York City's animal shelters are the most overcrowded in the state? And I was like, well, yeah, New York City's, like, the biggest city in the country. <laughs> yeah, that actually makes that's a lot of not, sense. That's not really impressive. That's not really like, oh, What? Us here in New York City? It's like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> That's crazy. Why um, not say a different statistic that actually means something? Because <laughs> it doesn't matter. Because the only part that matters is I'm that... Chris these- Colfer should be better than this. He should have, like, thought, oh, no, that line could be punched up. Or he was like, this is something stupid that Santana would say for Rachel to say. <laughs> You're right. He could have been playing 4D chess this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I think he I think he's playing the game within the game. Um, <laughs> so then all like Rachel's like going ha, 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 with all these like dogs in front of the camera, but all these dogs lock in on this dude eating a sandwich and then immediately run after him and then she gets dragged from her delicate little heels down the street road rash on the knees and arms for sure um by all these dogs why don't her friends help her because <laughs> chris colfer wrote it <laughs> why? yeah literally but like why wouldn't sam like scoop up Rachel? he's like big and strong and he yeah, cares they, about her why wouldn't they, he they, scoop her up and like fireman hoist her over his shoulder and take her to the hospital they literally all watch her get dragged away. And they're just like, ooh, ooh, bye! <laughs> Oop. Poor girl. Um, <laughs> so then Kurt is at the, the retirement home visiting, um, what's her name, Maggie? Maggie Banks, which I'm like, again, you could come up with a better name. But Whatever. Whatever. Kurt goes to visit Maggie at the retirement home to see them rehearsing Peter Pan. And the minute he walks in, they're like rehearsing the, the, the big scene where Peter enters for the first time. And they're like, the, the Peter, Peter doesn't enter. And they're like, where's Peter? Did she fall asleep again? Where's her hearing aid? They open the window and the old lady comes busting in just, just Dead. complete ragdoll. Just complete ragdoll. It's 
It's so upsetting. You it's... know what this reminded me of? Have you seen that clip of, like, a mascot being lowered from, like, the rafters at a sporting event, but, like, the guy is, like, passed out in the suit? So it's just... <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that? <laughs> okay, good. It's like, when, it's like when people pass out on roller coasters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just, like... Just ragdoll. <laughs> But yeah, it's this old lady in the harness dressed as Peter Pan. <laughs> She's just swinging around. And fucking the guy who just plays Lando is there. Spinning the around this room. Lando is there. And he grabs her and he's like, oh, Peter's dead. And Kurt has just walked in and made this old woman pass away. Well, we can't, the show can't go on without Peter. Her hips were the only ones ones strong enough for the harness. That's like why she was cast. <laughs> and then Kurt's like, "Well, lucky for you, I'm just the twink you need." <laughs> That's basically what he says. And they're like, "Well, you have to audition. We can't just give you the role." And so yeah, Lando like, Calrissian is like, "Are you even able to sing this? It's a very challenging part for a woman." <laughs> And he's like, well, I'm a counter He's like, have you heard and, me speak? <laughs> uh, hi, my name is Kurt Hummel, and I can hit a high F as evidenced by my ability to sing Defying Gravity. <laughs> yeah. And so he's like, and they're like, well, you have to audition. He's like, well, lucky for you, I always have this song in my back pocket. And he pulls out fucking memory from cats. <laughs> And you yeah, were like, sure that's probably why he's not getting cast in things. Because no, literally, if that's your audition song, you only have yourself to blame for not having yeah. opportunities in your career. <laughs> and then I was like, it's like when he went to the Warblers and sang Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Exactly. Insane. You gotta be different like Rachel and sing Don't Stop Believing. <laughs> yeah. Totes. That's what every casting director loves to hear. Originality. So, Kurt gets the role. Yay! The show goes on at 4pm on Monday. Which is also ironic, because Mondays are Broadway's dark day. So, Kurt, they're they're all at the house. Or Santana, Rachel, and Kurt are at their apartment. Rachel has, like, ice packs all over her body. Santana's, like, trying to figure out how to salvage all this. The Broadway Bitches is the name of their um, dog rescue. Which, like, yeah. why not just... Why not just, like, organize an event through Broadway Barks, which already exists? Are you telling me Bernadette Peters doesn't exist in the Glee universe? Oh, she absolutely does. (laughs) So, like, Chris Colfer, you should know. Like, you don't have to book Bernadette Peters, but, like, I don't think they, as an organization that's, like, a charity, would be like, no, we don't want to be associated with this popular television show. Like, come on. Yeah. It's insane. But they're they're doing a big adoption event. And at, I assume at the diner. I don't know how they were able to convince their boss to let them do that. But yeah. I know, right? And so Kurt comes in to Rachel's room and is like, you guys, I just got a role. It's Peter and Peter Pan at the retirement home. <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> and he's like, you guys should come see it because you all want you to support me and I've been nothing but supportive for all of you and you guys just kind of cast me aside and they're like, well, we can't. We have to go to the dog event. Sorry, bye. 
And he's like, cool, 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 cool. Fuck you guys. And then he leaves. <laughs> and then the the next thing is the, the adoption event. Um, so Rachel and Santana are running the event. Dogs are getting adopted left and right. It's going well. Uh, Santana tells Rachel that the New York Theater News something or other is coming later that day to do an interview. And... Um, she specifically picked out this three-legged, like, Yorkie Dachshund mix for Rachel to take photos with, um, later. And then, <laughs> what is it, who sees them? Is it Blaine or Sam or somebody is like, oh no, what's going on over there? Because they're just, because, like, Artie is just sitting with Mercedes and Sam eating dog biscuits. <laughs> and nobody says anything! <laughs> Nobody says anything. It's insane. Yeah. And they see Santana and Rachel fighting with somebody. And then it cuts back to um, this mom and her weird son. He's weird. He just stood there and like looked at his feet the whole time. Also, he was just so ginger and not at all. It doesn't matter. Um, (laughs) He just looked very pale in the bright sun. So they really want to adopt the three-legged dog that Rachel and Santana are supposed to have Rachel take photos with. And Santana is like, you can't have the dog. And the mom is like, but my son wants this dog. This Just is an pick adoption. another dog to do the photo with. And Rachel's like, you're gonna have to give me back the dog. And the lady looks at Rachel in her in her soulless face and is like, you're a horrible person. And one of these, like, I know you're trying to do this to save your fucking whatever Broadway career, but that's just like not going to work all the time. So enjoy it while it lasts. But you're just yeah, she, like delightful. She was like, you can't fix a lie with a lie. <laughs> yeah, she basically told her you can't de- delay the inevitable forever. Which is basically it's what everybody's been saying to her for like a year now. Like Carmen Thibodeau was saying the exact same fucking thing to her, and guess what? <laughs> Guess what happened? Uh, Rachel keeps the three like, like a dog for the photo shoot or whatever. Um, but she like has that moment where she's supposed to learn something, I guess. And so Kurt's going to go on for Peter Pan. But um, before that, Maggie got flowers. And they were from her daughter. But not really. She, but saying she couldn't come to opening night. But they're not really from her daughter because Maggie sends herself flowers because her daughter doesn't want to talk to her because she was a neglectful mother her whole life and didn't go to her high school graduation or her college or anything like of importance to her daughter. And so to fix that, Kurt goes to her daughter's law office and basically says, I know your mom was terrible to you, but I have dead mom syndrome, so I need you to love your mom again for me. Yeah, this Um, was a a little challenging for me at this particular junction of my life. I was like, you need to shut up and sit down about things that you know nothing about. (laughs) Yeah. Because I was like, if you haven't had a parent that is like that, you don't get to tell them what they need to be doing or not doing like if you have no fucking clue what what they're dealing with that was like i know kurt's doing this because he has dead mom and he doesn't want like this other woman to have regrets if her mom dies or whatever right and like i'm not saying that like no one can be redeemed or forgiven i'm just saying that like it's the person that did the bad things that needs to step up to the plate yeah, Not like the person that has agonized over this decision for who knows how long. <laughs> yeah. 
like if somebody's cut you out of their life and they're not happy about it (laughs) yeah and you so desperately want to like have them back and think that you've changed then you need to be the one to reach out to them be like hey whenever you're ready like i would like to sit down and talk like please just give me one more chance to like hash it out or whatever and like go from there but no, instead, Kurt's, Kurt makes himself the middleman and tries to guilt trip this woman into going and talking to her mother, who she hasn't talked to in years. I, I literally, I was, I was like, I can't with this shit right now. <laughs> yeah. This is too close to home. <laughs> yeah. So, um, opening nights here, it's also closing night, 4 p.m. on a Monday. They're all getting getting ready, and then... Kurt calls Rachel while he's backstage just to apologize, I guess, and be like, hey, sorry, I still support you. I just get frustrated, blah, blah, blah. And Rachel's like, okay, that's great, um, but, like, shut up, because my friend, my best friend's about to perform. And Kurt, like, looks through the very open set. <laughs> like, you can see all of backstage. He's fully visible. <laughs> yeah. And Rachel's there with the whole gang uh, to watch Kurt. And then we don't see any Peter Pan. We do see Kurt get to fly around in his harness while singing a Madonna song. And everyone's wearing sunglasses and, like, having a great time. And he's living his best life. And that was the end of that. Yay. (laughs) That was probably my favorite song. Just to, like, skip ahead to that part of the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. I think I'll probably have to agree with you, which is kind of wild. It was the most fun. It was still really random, but, you know, what are you going to do? Do you think Chris Colfer had other songs he wanted, but they couldn't get the rights to them? Chris, if you're listening, I would like to talk to you about this episode. Yeah, I know we're, like, trashing this episode a little bit, but, like, I do really respect you and your work as a writer, I just think that this wasn't, I mean, it's not your fault. It's not your fault that you were handed this show of all shows. (laughs) I was going to say, like, I think he, I think he did pretty good given the, like. All things considered, no, his writing is really good. I do think a little bit of punch-ups and uh, additional research could have happened. But again, he was also, like, 23 years old. And uh, this show sucked. So, like, he, he. He did a great job with what he was working with, you know? Yeah. And Chris, seriously, I've I've read a lot of Chris Colfer's books, and I've been genuinely impressed with all of them. And I, you know, as an aspiring writer myself, I have a lot of respect for the career he's built for himself. So Chris, if you ever want to be on the show, we would love to have you. And also, I would love to know what Chris Colfer getting stoned looks like. <laughs> But it's fun. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Dream glee blunt rotation. <laughs> oh, that's actually great. Okay, so yeah, it would be uh it'd be Chris Colfer for sure. Obviously. Darren Chris, Chris obviously. obviously. <laughs> I want Sam uh, there. <laughs> I would definitely have Amber Riley as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, Although Chris Colfer and Amber Riley would definitely just, like, break off and talk shit about the other ones. <laughs> That's fine. They're allowed. Yeah. Um, I would have Kevin there. He seems fun on TikTok. I would definitely get Coach Tanaka 
and Howard Bamboo. <laughs> what about Coach Beast? <laughs> oh my god, I would actually genuinely unironically love to have a Coach Beast there. I do too. I love her. She's so sweet. Oh my god, the, I'm, and of course, we gotta get Brad the piano player on. Oh yeah. I bet he gets real talkative when you get him. At this enough. point, we've just named like half the routine characters. I just hit myself in the head with my phone. We'll we'll think about this for real and give ourselves a limit later. Um, yeah. But we're 45 minutes into this episode. We gotta wrap it up. We're getting <laughs> close. So after the big Madonna number, they all go back to the diner and they invite all of the old people over to uh, be their special performers for the night at the dog charity event. And so they all sing what they sing. I Take me home it. tonight. Take me home tonight. Um, and then they're just like handing dogs to people as if like that just means that that's your dog now. Um, <laughs> and also <sighs> like Rachel hands the three-legged dog to that lady and her son. I don't know how she got them back from Long Island. Yeah. How did she track them down and then convince them like, did she, like, sincerely apologize? Like, this woman did not want to spend time with this, with Rachel. Again. Yeah. Like, like, how did she find her? Maybe she, like, ran after the bus and was like, stop the bus! I don't think so. No, Rachel doesn't seem the kind to of run. Sorry, you're sending me things? And that, I can't look at that right now. <laughs> Get off Instagram! <laughs> Sorry. I knew I knew I was tempting fate and sending that, but I I, I was gonna forget otherwise. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, so they yeah. sing their big final number. Everyone gets a dog. Sam and Mercedes pass off their dog to like this old couple. Um, <laughs> I as, said something kind again. of inappropriate, which was maybe by the time that Sam is like actually ready to have a dog, the old couple that adopted McConaughey will have died, and then Sam can readopt McConaughey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and McConaughey's a um, little dog. He'll probably have a really long life. <laughs> yeah. And that wasn't even the episode, right? Yeah. Was yeah, it. it was. There was like one little there was one tiny, tiny, tiny curtain blame scene before the before Peter Pan. Oh, that was cute, yeah. Yeah. And I did like so they Blaine acknowledged he was like, Hey, remember, Shirley McLean and I are friends right now. And I've been really busy hanging out with Shirley MacLaine. And I was supposed to be at dinner at Annie Leibovitz's house with, who was the third lady? Diane von Furstenberg. Diane von Furstenberg. Oh my God. With uh, with June Dalloway. Stupid fucking name. But I would rather be here supporting How you. Many? And Kurt's like, yeah, whatever. My old ladies are better than your old ladies. And I was like, are they? <laughs> April Rhodes, June Dalloway, Cassandra July. We're getting all of the months. <laughs> Maggie Banks. Yeah. We're getting all of the months of the year together. Um, that's, that's really funny. I can't wait for Todd January to show up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, also, uh, Maggie's daughter did show up to the performance. It would be funny got- if the daughter's name was like celeste august or something (laughs) yeah and they like kiss and make up or whatever i will say that like june did say the right things to her daughter 
Yeah. But Kurt should have pressured her to actually just, like, pick up the phone and call her instead of, like, going and guilting a woman who he knows nothing about. But it's fine. Yeah. You know, he's 19. What are you going to do? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that, that's what you missed on Glee. Weird episode. Very So, a lot of weird editing choices in this. Um, like, during Lucky Star, like, the camera kept, like, cutting to the old people, but then, like, showing them as, like, literal children, and it was very weird. That was so weird! And, like, it didn't really make sense, because, like, it wasn't about them, like, recapturing their youth or anything. It was about, like, finding meaning in their current lives. So, like, I don't yeah. know why it was, like, they're kids again. I'm like, why not young adults at like the height of their theater careers like why are they babies (laughs) yeah but it also would zoom in like those weird 90s zoom ins that people would do like on their faces during the song it was it was weird there were some odd camera choices so i did look up who directed this episode and i was surprised to see that it was somebody that actually is like one of their regular in rotation directors Mm. and he's directed like some incredible episodes (laughs) oh like he directed the first Darren chris episode he directed the episode where kurt and blaine get together he directed the episode where they all fuck uh he directed the sectionals episode with the trouble tones in it uh (laughs) i mean and then you know things get weirder from there but uh he, because he, he directed like the episode with Super Base and like the school shooting episode. <laughs> <laughs> Not Super Base. And uh, four episodes in season six, including the two part premiere and the series finale, and the one that has some pivotal parts? stuff in it. <laughs> it's a two part premiere. Well, it's, like, two distinct episodes, but they were aired the same night. They were aired back-to-back. How should they have to say? (laughs) Uh, A lot changes at the start of season six. I'm so scared. Yeah. Well, we were actually kind of timely in this episode. Well, we got one more to watch. Yeah. And then... And then it'll be time to like wrap up the season and you can lock in your final predictions for season six of Glee. I'm so scared. Oh my God. I'm so excited. <laughs> You're terrified and I've like never been more hype. <laughs> A quick recap of what I know about season six. Mm-hmm. What's his putz is back. Kowalski. You called you called him Swarovski once. <laughs> Swarovski. What's his name? Kowalski. Kowalski. <laughs> I just called him Kowalski. <laughs> That's not his name either. Isn't that one of the penguins of Madagascar? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I know he's got like a Polish name, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you weren't that far off. Kowalski, status report. Um <laughs> I kind of want to watch Madagascar. I remember loving it as a child. Anyway, we can't get into that now. No, no, that's a different podcast. (laughs) Um, Check back in for our weekly Madagascar updates. (laughs) (laughs) So you know Karofsky's back. What else do you know? Um, I know Rachel has Kurt and Blaine's baby. (laughs) 
but that's like also like in the future at the very last episode that's a very small part i believe i know um i know of jigsu i don't know the context of it <laughs> i i always forget if you do or don't know about jigsu she comes and up i never twi- want to bring it up in case you don't know <laughs> no she comes up on my twitter out of context every so often See, this is and the I- dangerous thing about you now following some glee accounts is that like <laughs> now you're getting exposed to shit like jigsu and i'm like you gotta slow down <laughs> I just see the pictures. I don't know any context for it. I just <laughs> I did tell you before you found out about Jigsu that Saw played a part in something in season six. And I think you Jigsu. forgot about that. And then Jigsu came up. Yeah. Yeah. And I know there's like new characters. Mm-hmm. But I don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's basically all I know, I think. Oh, that's gonna be so fucking sick. Because I'm, I'm sure you've told me things that I've forgotten. Because you always tell me things that I'm the most high. So, I can think yeah. of one more thing that you might know about. Well, I can think. I can think of two more things that you might know about. First, um, but I don't people. think I'll tell you because <laughs> you don't remember. <laughs> yeah, the first thing we have to do though is watch Rachel ruin her career. This is true. We've got to get through that first. So we'll see you on the other side of season five, everybody. Futurists, take it away. <laughs> the I'm complete scared. lack of enthusiasm. No, I'm scared. <laughs> I should be like, mm, so true, bestie. Oh my god. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of TH Glee. If you like this episode, you can give it a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to see more from us, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at THGlee420. If you want to hear more of my voice, you can check out Pumping Up the Podcast, a Hannah Montana podcast, or follow me on Twitter at LovelyLisi. And if you want to hear more of my voice, you can listen to Ramsey's recaps and trailer trash, or follow me on Twitter at Style. And until next time, don't stop believing. Oh my god. <laughs>